Buford sets off upfield. He wants a speedster to run onto it. You might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the ladder option. Jermaine Asako will score. Hello Broncos fans and NRL Boom Rookies fans. It's this time for this week's episode of Broncos and NRL Boom Rookies Weekly. I don't know. I don't know how that went. I don't care. Anyway, as always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined on the line this time by our good friend, Chris Gary, Channel 7's own Chris Gary. Anyway, how you doing, Chris? Good, man. How are you, Mitch? But I'm all right. I'm, that's my worst introduction in, since my first year podcast. I'm nervous, but, mate. Oh, I'm not nervous. I just didn't think about how doing the, um, doing the two intros together, but... Are you trying to say I'm nervous in your presence, Chris? Is that what <laughs> never. Doing, I'm intimidated. Never. No, never. You just might fall asleep or something. I couldn't be able to show uh, Nervous. Anyway, we've got Chris on again. He came on last year. It was a great pod. Got a lot of people. Even uh, my fellow co-host, uh, Simo, wasn't your greatest fan until that day. Now he's a bit the one of the Really? Greatest. Why didn't he like me? I don't know, mate. You, come on. Yeah, let's, let's, let's put it Yeah, Let's be honest. You know, people don't like you for no reason. You know, yeah. you're, you give Broncos news. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. You know, yeah. that's it. But now he's your biggest fan of the podcast. Like, I, can, yeah. I can understand like being indifferent. I was up in um, Townsville for that All Stars fight night, and some random bloke had a go at me, just saying, "Oh, Chris Carey, you mate, bloody hell, jeez, yeah, about time you got something right." And I'm like, "Who are you?" And yeah. I get most things right. You know, you're gonna have the odd miss, of course. Um, but you know, uh, <laughs> it's just not like he's like, "Nah, I don't, I don't like your stuff," and then he just kept walking on. I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's just throwing you. It's it's. I'm not trying to blow smoke out your ass, but there's there's obviously a bucket of journalists who have a bit less respect from the general rugby league community who who are known for pumping out lots of rumors, and and I've no idea why people throw you in that bucket because you've never been that type of person. <laughs> you know, no, like I, I try to not be. Like, no. everyone, you know, everyone gets sucked in here and there. Things that you you don't realize yeah. you're sucked into. That's just part of the business. But um, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather be. Um, I'd rather be right than and miss the online. And, and, and that's yeah. happening. I've had some absolute rivers. Cooper Cronk to Sydney Roosters. I had that locked in, done before the yeah. grand final. I knew it. I was told it. I wasn't quite sure about it. I rang around. People told me, no, nah, that can't be right. That can't be right. And then, like, a few weeks after the grand final, someone else broke it. I think it was what? Yeah. Um, but I would have, I was just like, oh, I can't be wrong on this. It's too yeah. good a story to be wrong on. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. But that's it. See, guys, Chris is verifying his stories. He's not just dropping them out there. But all I'm saying is, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> so much so we'll get some more Chris Gary fans after this podcast and more fans of the podcast as well. A bit of mutual benefits. But I will touch on two things, though, that come up every time. Like I mentioned, I was interviewing last time. We got asked about 100 times. Two of these things, you probably get tweeted questions about these two things all the time. First one is, are you sure you're not a Broncos fan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am positive. I mean, I, I guess I. 
you know, I like a lot of people at the Broncos, um, <laughs> but I have zero interest in supporting the Broncos as a club. Never have. Um, yeah, absolutely a Warriors fan. So it, it, I guess it's just because my accent obviously is in New Zealand. It's not like I've been over in Australia for so long. It's not like I embrace the New Zealand culture a lot. Um, yeah. You know, Australia's my home. So, but, you know, that's that's just where my first rugby league jersey was a Warriors jersey in 95. I think I said that last time. Um, that's where my family supports when when I go back when I go back home. That's all my cousins are Warriors fans, and you know, from Auckland, it's uh, it's got the Warriors have a big following. Like if you're around in the nineties in Auckland, mm. it's a big deal. You know, I came over to I came over to Australia in eighty nine or ninety, but during the nineties, I was back every summer. Yeah, so a uh, big brownie fan, mate. You you're hopeful this year. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a time to be hopeful, right? This is yeah. the time to be optimistic. It's like, you know, I try to have a rule not to be negative at all in the preseason. It's the time to be optimistic and exaggerate hopes and, and dream a little. So, yeah, I, I looked at their trial team today and I thought that's a pretty good forward pack. I think Adam Vanilla Blake is a top five prop in the game. Yeah. I think he's a sensational signing. I think Roger in his last year will be amazing. I still don't understand what they're doing with the halves. I see Chanel, um, Harris David is injured again, which sucks. I really rate him. Um, what's David um, for Satuado? Where's he? Is he? I don't know. He's hurt again. He was named in the trial originally, and then now he's out. And what Marcello Montoya is on the on the wing there now, isn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. But I think. Yeah. I, but anyway, yeah. Look, I think I think the Warriors will be thereabouts. I, I think they could sneak into the finals. I do. I yeah. Think. The team, I think they're sort of a, anywhere from seven to not to ten. If this was the NBA, I'd say they're a playing team. Playing team, oh god, that's, that's something Jamie Shaw would say. Bring the play in to the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's at time of year, mate. We've all got fourteen teams in our top eight, so yeah, <laughs> we're all hopeful we've got them there. Uh, the other thing you get asked, not even asked, you get attacked about your Pangai Tamalolo takes, and you're amongst oh, yeah. peers here. I'm proud of the take. You know, you've got to be a takesman <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> but uh, do, you, do, you, do you got anything to stand up for? Are you going to go back to the take? Back to the Pangai has a higher ceiling than Tamalolo take this year. Well, let's see how this trial goes, eh? Yeah. Um, you know, I still I still say he's got an amazing ceiling, Pangai. This could be the year, mate. I know this you're could... in. <laughs> this could be it. This could be the year where the island becomes a continent. That's it, mate. That's it. We're... um. Every year, it could be the year, but I'm, I am feeling that legitimately this one. I know it's time to be hopeful. He, it could he be looks it. Fit. He looks really fit. He's clearly lost weight. Um, I like the fact that the Broncos have really tried to narrow his focus with the restrictions placed on him. I, I spoke to him a, a fair bit at the time and all that happened last year. I think he was a bit confused. and just He was just over-anxious. Really, that's the fact. He was just over <clears throat> And what he did wasn't, wasn't really good or right or probably the right thing by the team. Um, but... I can sort of understand what he did. What he did, he was just, he was, he was sick of it. Yeah, he was and, uh, out, you know, which is a bit childish, you could say, but I could sort of understand that environment. What happened, um, and I think ultimately it can be the making of him. That's what it has to be for. It has to be the making. That's it, mate. And uh, I think you know he seems to be a bit humbled over the, the prior years. You've known more than I would being around the, the joint now, but. His attitude seems to have changed a bit this offseason, dropped some weight, and going to play that position. Like the locks kind of changed a bit with that with that ruck infringement rule, the set restart rule. I don't think they can run Pat Carrigan at lock anymore. They need someone a bit more dynamic, a bit more playmaking. And it looks like Pangai will play there. I think that's when we're going to finally see him own a jersey at Brisbane. Because he hasn't owned a jersey his whole career there. No, you're absolutely right. It's got to be lock. 
That's his position. Although, I do like the idea of John Asiata at lock and Pango and Haas up front. I don't mind that either. Like, I have seen Asiata wants to start. Obviously, every player wants to start, but I don't mind the idea of Asiata starting and be- playing that link man role there and then having a you know really strong bench with Lodge and Flegler coming off it. That's not too bad. Yeah, and, and our training, Asiata's a real organiser of the forwards. He's got a really strong, loud voice. He's confident. He's a leader. And you see him train when he runs as, as a lock, the way he can tip passes on, pass out the back. They looked at it with him at lock. I think Pangai has to start. I wouldn't, I think, yeah, well, Pangai, fine. I also think maybe if there's a way to get Asiata in there, even if he's not starting, just in big minutes. I just think, you know, yeah, I think Carrigan is, is a bench forward at the moment for me. Mm. Um, I think Matt Lodge is too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, we'll see. I, at least we have some depth, right? At least the Bronx have some depth. You said we. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> the Broncos touch too much. <laughs> but no, that's, that's true, mate. Like, at least there's some forward depth there. And I do think, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast think I'm a Pat Carrigan hater. And it's more, I didn't, I don't think he's as good as we hear he is. And that's not to say he can't be a great player, but I think there's some things in his game he needs to work on and be better in shorter stints off the bench. And that's what I hope for this year that he'll come off and play, you know, bench prop and let guys like Pangai and Asiata handle that 13 role. And I think what you said about Asiata, it's kind of been a, a quiet signing for us, and Brisbane don't often make quiet signings, but I thought that was fantastic business. I know it's only one year, but the exact type of player we need, I thought that someone who, as you said, can tip passes, can move the forwards around the park, and has a pretty good footy brain on him in the middle of that, of that pitch. There's a lot of inexperience still at Brisbane, and I know we keep saying that for years and years, but I know Asiata is... Play. He's played what first grade since like twenty, is it twenty fourteen? What is it? Yeah, I think it's what it is. He played a lot of first yeah. grade. Oh, he's just such a skilled player, such a unique player. Yeah, yeah. he's he's one of. He reminds me a lot of one of my favorite NRL players, David Solomon. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm just. Greats. I'm just upset that with our Milford out of the trial that we're getting Croft six and not Asiata six. <laughs> yes, he could play six a eh, like. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he, you're right, he's an underrated signing, full stop in the NRL. Like, he could be a buy of the year, really. The Cowboys in the later years there, Paul Green never, never utilized him correctly. Definitely. There was a couple of games where he was let off the leash there, just through injuries or whatever at Cowboys and, and really shine. But I think he'll fit in well at Brisbane. Uh, in terms of the difference around the club, I know you were big on the Seabolt stuff when you were first there. We're not going to go back to that take. Everyone was big on Seabolt <laughs> two years ago, whatever. Um, what do you notice around the club this year and, you know, the doldrums of last year? What's the big difference you've seen there? Oh, a lot more talk, yeah. So when Seabold, we'll go back to it, just because yeah. it's such a great tap. Seabold <laughs> started, the intensity of training. I remember day one. I remember day one. He rocked up, like, day one and trained them out at um, West Sparta. And <clears throat> they were all lost. And it probably wasn't the best idea because they were doing drills they had never done. Seagull mm. rocked up that morning and suddenly he's telling them, do this drill, do that drill. Had this whole team of, of coaches around him all ready to go with all this stuff laid out. <clears throat> I saw that and thought, shit, that's a lot different away in Bennett. This guy is so organised. Mm. He's day one. He's already had a series of meetings with different people and here he is with a full training session ready to go. And that's the sort of stuff that Seagull's good at. He's very organised. Um, so the intensity was definitely higher than it was under Wayne. It turns out that's not always a good thing, right? Players yeah. get burned out. 
this time, I wouldn't necessarily say that the intensity is, is high. They're training more often. They've been training a lot more. Um, but the talk is the real noticeable thing. There's a lot more conversation, a lot more talk. They're a lot happier. They're not walking on eggshells. You know, being in the media, sometimes, no matter what happens, some players will just be a bit strange around, which is fine. It's all part of the game. But um, I'd say it's probably been a couple of years since I've seen the players so engaging with um, the public that come to training, with the reporters that come to training. And last year, they were clearly all just down and upset and, and angry. Um, and to be honest, some of, the, some, some of the supporters who came to the training sessions often weren't treated that well by the players, really. you know, um, That's changed a lot. They're, they're being treated well. They're so happy and friendly. That's been a big difference. And that's Kevy, right? That's what Kevy does. That's what yeah. he's best at. He creates a happy, fun environment where everyone's getting on. And um, that's definitely happening. Yeah, I'm definitely coming around with the Kevolution. I've, I've come around. Like, yeah, of course, I'm definitely stealing that, man. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely the hopeful time of the year as well. <laughs> it's a Kevolution on Channel 7, mate. Good. I'm all pro it. You can have it. Uh, <laughs> but that's what the things I've heard are similar. And I don't think any of that was blown out of proportion last year when we heard they'd lost their connection to the fans in the community a bit. And you just mentioned it there that even the players and fans, like we're getting treating fans better when they attend training now. That's good to hear. But. You just in footy, I know it's not chess, it's checkers a lot of the time, and just being happy is half the way there. And that's what I'm, I'm happy to hear that the blokes are getting, the players are getting behind Kevin, at least enjoying training a bit more. Yeah, well, I'll just give you an example. There's a, there's a bloke there called Vic, who <clears throat> some people listening to this might know, recognize him. I think his name's Vic. We'll go with Vic anyway. That's what we're calling him. <laughs> it might be Dave. <laughs> and um, so he, last year, he shows up all the time, every day. And most of the time last year, especially in the back half of the year, the players, like, he'd yell out, literally stand on top of the uh, garden and yell out because we're behind the COVID fence. <clears throat> and yell out to the players as they're coming over or coming in and try to get their attention have a bit of a chat. Some, some of them with them, some just always ignored it. I think that thought it was a bit, bit annoying. <laughs> so what happens this preseason? Kev notices him there every day for a week and Kev makes him a staff member. Now he runs the water for the team. Um, he's there every training session as an actual Broncos employee. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Meetings and stuff. <laughs> like, it's cool. Like, that's, that's Kev. Like, that's what he does. Yeah, and I know some people listening to this might laugh that the Broncos hired someone who was sitting next to training, but uh, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> he's been, been around a long time. Like, he's, it, he'd be 60, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. He's there, I think, in 88. Well, so that's he right, says, Dave or Vic or whatever his name is. But um, he's a good fella. So that's the sort of stuff that's, you know, that's, that's got to be part of the Broncos, that sort of environment, that culture. That's good culture. That is. And I have heard from, from people I speak to at the club that, like, the – Kev has been really good at empowering those underneath him. And I think that's the only way Kevy was going to be a really good first grade coach or successful first grade coach is getting good assistance and letting them do some of the stuff he's not great at. But that's part of being a good coach, I guess. Kevy bringing in guys like Terry Madison and John Cartwright to be assistants and letting them do their thing. I think that's a bit of positive for the club. Yeah, absolutely. I worked a bit with, um, well, a fair bit with uh, Terry during the 2013 World Cup. He was the USA coach. I was the USA media manager and he was brilliant. He's a real players coach. Players just love him. You know, just easy going. He says what he needs to be said. He barks when he has to bark, but players really enjoy playing for him. I haven't had a lot to do with Cartwright, but obviously he makes with Gillian. Gillian Cardio, biggest thieves, and Gilly said he's one of the best players you've ever met. So there's three really good blokes who you just love to have a good with, and they're your three main coaches. 
Yeah. And I think the, the Broncos this year just needed something like this to really change the atmosphere they were around last year. They needed that kind of environment to keep those boys happy because a lot of them are off contract. A lot of the good yeah. ones are off contract. Needed a shake up. And a lot of them weren't re signing. Like, you know, they've been trying to get Tom Dean to pen a deal for God knows how long. And then yeah. he hasn't re signed. Well, see, that's the thing, right? They actually told their managers, oh, we're going to wait. So, Xavier Coates, Tom Dearden, Katoni Staggs, Brandon Piercora, Reese Walsh, all these guys said to their managers, I'm not ready to sign now. I want to see this fucking improve before we sign on or really get into talking things. So, that's a bad sign in and of itself. Yeah. But um, they haven't left yet, so that's good. Um, but you wouldn't think the Bronx would ever be in a position where the players are saying, I want to see if we can win again before I sign on. You know? Yeah. I do think one of the positives, though, is that if Brisbane have a couple of good weeks, it isn't hard to get players to go to Brisbane. No. It's not. Like, a few yeah, good weeks, talk someone into it. It's it's a pretty crazy city, really. Yeah, it is. 100%. It's like getting to play at home at Suncorp every Friday in front of that crowd. Big difference. I don't... So I did want to also mention there, that I have heard that they're doing, they, they've really cut down. There's no PowerPoints at training. There's no notebooks. They've gone like absolutely the entire opposite direction of the last couple of years. And I think that, you know, for young footballers, I think that was the wrong team for Anthony Seabold. I know you think he could, well, you did say last year, you thought he could still be a first grade coach elsewhere. But for mine, that was always the wrong approach with a bunch of 20 year olds. They haven't got time for that stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping that at least at training, they're enjoying it more, enjoy that more. They'll pen the deals. But have you noticed the same thing? There's far less of that, um, wouldn't say analytical approach, but studious approach at training. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The shot clock's gone, like you would have heard about that. They had the shot clock in the corner at under yeah. They yeah. would count down and, yeah, the huge whiteboard that would be in the middle of the field that would tell players what their next set is and everything mandated and everything set to a timer with techno music blasting in the background. Yeah, that's all gone. Um, players hated the note-taking thing. I can totally understand why. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just not. Some players will probably embrace it, but man, when you're done training, you don't want to go back into the room and fill out a form. No, who likes paperwork? And the, and it's again, it's, it's the wrong sport. And even then, if you go, if, if, if you're in American football, for example, there is playbooks, but you know, not everyone has to go do the same. Has the playbook? <laughs> like, yes, not everyone's required the same study. And some of those blokes, like when James Roberts was writing his own name. Let's be real. James yeah. Lombard doesn't need the goddamn playbook. He's just going to stand out there, get him an yeah. early ball. That's the play. <laughs> yes. And, and let's also just be honest about rugby league players is that some of them, such as James Roberts, aren't doing yeah. it because they love the game. Yeah. They're playing this game because they, they're good at it. Yeah. It's like Nick Kyrgios. He's not playing tennis because he loves the game. Exactly. If he couldn't make money out of it, he wouldn't play. There's a lot of rugby league players like that. Yep. Naturally talented. Who, who It's a day job for them. Those, yeah. those people exist. They just grind through training and then perform on the day. Um, there's been a lot of guys like that. And, you know, it, it can frustrate people probably like me and you who had none of the talent, but we're willing to work hard and it's still good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. I mean, it, yeah, it frustrates lots of fans when they hear that stuff. But, you know, th- them's the breaks. Them's the yeah. breaks. Uh, genetics. <laughs> um, so after all that, so what do you expect the Broncos to achieve this year? Where do you think they'll, they'll end up sitting on that ladder? And do you think they'll be... A much improved team or it's a slightly improved team? Well, I saw in the comments that when you tweeted that someone said, how many wins do you think the Broncos would get? And I thought, that's a good question. There you oh, go. Well, yeah, no, sorry, how fair. many wins would a, would a pass mark be? I think, yeah. Like, what's the success? 
I would say double figures is a success. Ten wins is a success. To go from three to ten, I think anything yeah. less than ten would probably be not a success. Oh, I think they'll finish somewhere. Look, they could sneak an eighth, but I realistically think they'll finish somewhere between tenth and fourteenth. Yeah. Yeah, I think for mine, ladder positions is a hard thing to say because they, they were so bad last year. They were by far and away the worst team in the competition. So it's not just improving eight ladder positions. If there was like a 20th, they would have been 20th. You know? Yes. Like, Imagine so, if the season ran for four more games. Oh, oh, my God. They, like, <laughs> they were getting near Knights 2016 levels. Like, yeah. you know, like a couple more games, they, they might have had them done for a couple of the records. So... I, I'm hopeful of finishing in the eight, but I do think realistic expectations is like hope for hope for like eleventh or tenth, but mainly hope for you know some big a couple of good games, couple of big wins, and a, and a bit of a feeling around the joint again that next year we'll get some more yeah. signings. And ten wins can do that, right? So if they go from three to ten, and what they that will that'll probably have them finishing tenth or eleventh. Um, I'd say yeah. you need what 13, 13 wins to get into the eight. Yeah, I mean. So, you look, look across the road, you know, where all the positivity is down at Gold Coast now. They had nine wins last year, but they were getting positivity with like five weeks to go when they won, like throwing the trot. doesn't yeah, take that long, you know, and then a, one or two good signings and all of a sudden everyone's talking about you next year as one of the, the up-and-coming signs of the competition. Oh, yeah, I, I just think they're still too young. I think there's so many players in that team that would just thrive off having last year and this year in Q Cup. Pat Carrigan's a great example he should be playing a lot more for Cup last year. Obviously, he couldn't because of COVID. Um, you know, there's just too many players there who haven't come up with 50 games in Q Cup. You know? Yeah. And now they're in first grade, hoping alone on the run. Well, that's it. That's, I'm going to ask you the question soon, but I have been asked many times over the last year from Broncos fans for young players to watch out for. And it's like, guys, they're all playing first grade. There is yeah. no more. Yeah. No, there's none left. There's like two left. These guys have all played first grade. Even guys like Ethan Bullmore, I had hope for his long-term future. He was so not ready last year when he no. played. And he had a good trial last week, but I still think he needs some time in cup and maybe he plays some grade this year. But a lot of guys are thrown to the fire at the same time over the last two years. Especially forwards. You can get away with it in the backs. Yeah, 100%. And I know guys, like, no one's I'm not that enthused by, like, a Ben Teo being at Brisbane this year. You know, And a lot of people aren't that excited by a John Asiata. But those guys create co- competition for those young fellas. You have to earn your jersey. You're not just getting handed it to you every week anymore. You've yeah. got to earn that spot. And Paddy Carrigan's gone from being the par- apparent you know, next captain to earn your spot on the bench. And that's good. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good thing for yeah. him. But I think, you... um, Sorry, go on, I, I think just on the T.O. thing, I think what people don't understand about T.O., look, he didn't set the world on fire last year. He was just mm. an average player, but... In the dressing room and that stuff, he's really good. And it's not good because he cuddles players. He's good because he's he was one of the few Broncos last year who actually held the team to account, who wasn't mm-hmm. afraid to say, player number, blah, 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 you were crap tonight. That wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And players actually respected him because of what, he, what he's done in the game. I think I said to you last time, there's, there's a weird personality mix in the Broncos. There's far too many introverted sort of quiet characters. Yeah. Tio's not that. He will say, you were shit. You did this on tackle four at this time. Not good enough. That's not how we win. You know, some players, a lot of players and brothers aren't like that. So I really, I was actually really hoping to keep Tio in because he's good at that stuff. Yeah. And I had heard he was pretty good at that at training as well. And that he was even good at calling out, you know, the coaches when they weren't good enough, which, I mean, you got to respect that. Like, like the Broncos yep. didn't seem to anyone who was willing to challenge authority in that playing group. And teams yeah, need that sometimes. Yeah. 
And I know Tia got frustrated last, frustrated last year, said all two, as did a number of players, because felt he wasn't being listened to. Mm. Um, and that was part of the issue. But yeah, you need those guys. Mount Lodge is another one. You know, he's not afraid to tell players, coaches, what, what they're doing wrong and hold people to account. You need that in teams. Um, and there's, there was a few too many Broncos that didn't want to deal with that confrontation. Yeah, and I had heard, I don't know if you'd heard, I heard Gordy Tallis went in there a couple of weeks ago and sprayed them all as well with a similar message. And, uh, yeah, I, I haven't heard that. I, I had a couple of beers with Gordy um, yeah. on, on Sunday. So he didn't mention that. Um, he did mention a few other interesting things, but not that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting. First, he left back into the club, but yeah, I did like, Gordy is someone you don't want to spray from. <laughs> no, no, not at all. He's intense, man. He is intense. I, I wrote his column for um for like six months. He was great to deal with. Always just ready to fire up. He's a really good guy. The yeah. first time I ever had a drink with him, he threatened to murder me. Oh, there so, you go. <laughs> that was interesting. Really good guy, though. <laughs> yeah, great guy. No, he was saying something, and it was like a bit, you know, it was off the record stuff, and I didn't know him. He was at a, at a, at a bar with a bunch mm-hmm. of other journos who he did know. And he's just looked at me and he's like, mate, I don't know you, but if any of this crap gets out there, I'm going to murder you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> sure, Gordy. <laughs> I actually have a Gordy Taylor story. Not as good, but about a decade ago, I had a friend working on the Maddie Johns show Monday night really early on. And he, I, I worked in the same building. And every now and then he'd invite me down to like, oh, we need to fill the crowd tonight. You want to come watch? It's like, yeah, I'll come watch or whatever. And anyway, after about three weeks of being there, I was talking to my mate during a break and Gordy comes up behind me and punches me in the kidney and goes, how are you going? <laughs> and he, I'm, I almost collapsed. He is the strongest man alive. <laughs> like, you know, friendly, friendly jab in the kidney, but it was like, took all the wind out of me and, and bent my knees down. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, Gordy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, he's actually, I actually think he's an underrated broadcaster. I know Broncos fans get frustrated with him because he's so harsh on the club. He's a really good broadcaster. Like he's just he's like Charles Barkley in NBA. Um, you know, he just goes for it and he's funny. Yeah, and I think we get lost. It doesn't actually matter if you're right or wrong in this industry. People will remind you when you're wrong every time anyway. Gordy's wrong all the time. Who cares? Gordy says what he what he thinks, you know. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, um, it's um no, that's interesting that he went and had a spray. I mean, his best mate is is, is Kevin Walters, not their best mates. Yeah. So I think he'll have a lot more to do with the club. But I, I like that. I know it's definitely a trope in rugby league when you know, happened at the Dragons, the Bulldogs, you know, bring back the old boys or similar. Mm. But Brisbane have such a good crop of old boys that, yes, get them back in the club. And, uh, you know, you don't want an overload of it, but yeah, they should have the the old boys come and visit every couple of weeks or every week still and do what they used to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Peter Ryan's shown up there. You know, you see Mick DeVere hanging there. Um, Yeah, there's there's a heap of them. You know, it's funny, like the Corey Parker. Corey Parker was there like last week. I read a story about him being unhappy about his assistant thing, but he was he was there a week ago. He wasn't in an official capacity, but he was just yeah. hanging out with Kevin and stuff. So I don't know. Can't, can't all have jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on the back of that, though, I do want to ask, and because people want to know, is there any young player you think that's going to step up this year or could step up this year and, and take first grade by storm at Brisbane? Oh, look, I think the obvious one is obviously Jordan Ricky, right? But I mean, I really believe in his talent. I think we saw a bit of it in the um, Indigenous All Stars while he's playing for the Māori team. But I think I am an absolute, I am absolutely sold on, on Brendan Procure. Yes, that's my man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I am on that train. I've invested a lot of Bitcoin. 
that I don't yes. have. Um, so, yeah, I reckon he, like, just seeing him at training, he runs lines and, look, I don't know if he'll ever be as good as Boyd Corner, but he runs type that Boyd Corner line, that outside even line. Yeah. He knows how to um, how to move as he's catching the pass. He can offload in traffic. He's fast. Uh, I've been really impressed with him at training this preseason. He's off contract. Uh, I... The Broncos are confident they'll keep him. Um, Canterbury are confident that they'll sign him. So, yeah, it's you know the facts are that Canterbury's made an offer. I don't know the exact figures, but it's it's double what Brisbane have. So, I don't think that if I think Piakura will re-sign, but it'll be short term. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Hopefully, he re-signs. But I'd seen I watched some juniors of him, and the thing I'd noticed, and you actually mentioned it then, we've all. Any guy who makes first grade generally murders juniors. Any big yeah. outside back does that. But he was really good at that before he received the ball movement. Like he yeah. wasn't just running over other blokes. He was hitting gaps, which doesn't happen that much for the good players in juniors. They usually like running over people. No. Well, Fafita still hasn't learned how to do it, right? Exactly. So, so it's running over guys. Yeah. David Fafita creates his own energy, which is an incredible skill in by itself. Yeah. But yeah, Pierre Cora runs a great line. He, he can pass. He can do it all. Like oh, I think he can play center. He can play back row. I think he's an absolute star. Um, I understand why the Broncos aren't going to get near Canterbury's offer. Um, mm. And Brendan's another one who is waiting to see, I guess, how he fits into the team, how the team perform, what the environment's like. Um, but I think he's one of these kids that will re-sign with the club, but I don't think it'll be for more than... It'll probably be like a one plus one. Yeah. I, I know that we'll be looking at... Now Ricky's obviously got that right-hand side locked down, you'd think, for starting yeah. this year. That left-hand side looks like Glenn... And I know Teo's done a lot of the match simulations there when Glenn hasn't been able to do them. And then maybe Corey Oates gets a run there. But I do think that's where Brendan might get a run later in the year, off the bench, play 30 minutes a game on that edge or similar. I think that he might get sprinkled in as the year goes on. You know, to keep Yeah, absolutely. Around. I guess Corey Oates is another one there too. See what happens with him. I, I, don't know. I, I, I think he runs a nice line too, actually. I think he could be a solid back row off the bench, Corey Oates. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those funny ones that, it feels at the wrong time for us to lose him on the wing, but it's also the first time we haven't had like 15 back rowers. Like yeah. for a long time there, there was like Gillette in front of him for feeder. Glenn was fitter all the time. There was this, a few stop gaps in front of him. Whereas now it's like, well, he could, if he played really well, he could definitely carve a rollout playing in the forwards there. And I wasn't very pro it last year, but he's wanted to do it for so many years. Hey, he wants to go back to the forwards. They're training him there all off season. Like, what's to lose? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he could be a real impact player. He runs um, – yeah, he runs a good line. I just don't quite know what happened to Corey. I think he's got so much talent. It's a bit of a mystery to me what happened, why he went from being an absolute, you know, star winger. It's like he had the yips or something. It was weird. Yeah, he was – 100% cause he was bombing tries as well. Mm. Not just dropping bombs, but yeah, he's, he's got 94 tries – in 156 games, but he would, if he sat in the wing, he looked pretty set on Broncos all time try scorer pace. If he sat yeah. in that wing, but that's not going to happen anymore. But he was going at, at one point, he was almost going to try the game on the wing on that side. Oh, he was um, awesome. He was awesome. And then I'll ask you one more young player because I know people will probably ask questions about him. But what do you think of Reese Walsh and, and his potential to play first grade this year? Yeah, he's definitely going to play first grade this year. I think he'd be an absolute weapon as a 14. You know, I yeah. think, I think come. August, um, when he's had 15 games in Q Cup, I think the Broncos probably are their best selves with Reese Walsh as your 14, playing, doing what Papanelson did for Storm a couple of years ago. Um, 
you know, he's he's a weapon, mate. He's he's going to be a star. I know he's undersized, and um, but he's he's gotten quite muscular in the last two months. He's he's put on a fair bit of weight, um, and he's just got it. Like he's just got that thing where he can he just goes for it. And the other thing is, everyone says he's one of the best kids you could ever meet. I've only interacted with him briefly, but uh, he's got a good head in his shoulders. He's fast. He's agile. He can play make. You know that pass he threw for Dale Copley. That's good vision. We saw that at the trial. Yeah. Put the little chip and chase through, which was um, you know a bit heavy, but. He's, he's got that instincts about him. I think he should be the 14 come August. Um, and I think moving forward long-term, he's your one. He's your one in 22. Yeah. 2022, he should be your fullback. That's what I think. And I thought that for a while that it was like a Sarko stopgap to Walsh was ready, ready. And I want him to play some cut. But what you mentioned that trial, anyone who watched that trial had the same feelings. Like he was just in everything. Everything good that mm-hmm. happened, Reese Walsh was in it or around it. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's really good, and um, and I think I think Jermaine's best position that we've seen is on the wing. Yeah. But I haven't given up hope on him as a fullback either. Like he's, we haven't seen the playmaking from him, and obviously he's got some errors in him. But he looks incredible in shape. He's he's the fittest bloke there. He looks in fantastic shape. So I'm not saying that Reese Walsh will definitely be the fullback in 2022, but that's the natural succession planning, and that's what they'll be pitching him. I'm sure when they're talking to him about re-signing with the club. Um, again, there's there's a heap of clubs interested in him. He's getting big offers too, but I'd be surprised mm. if he left. Like, why would you leave Brisbane? You know, at that age, at that time. Yeah, hundred percent. And I do think like with David Meads looking like a stopgap on that left wing early, there's an easy transition you mentioned there. Like that Walsh can go back to fullback and Asaka can start on that wing. Yeah. When time's ready, it, it seems to make a lot of sense that it, that is a part. There's an open path for him to take that job. Yeah, so look, we, you know, myself included, you included, a lot of people who cover the Broncos, who are Broncos fans, have really criticised their succession planning, but they've got a few things right. They've got a few good things in place with Pierre Cura. Um, Alex Clan obviously, as well, will leave at the end of this year. I would assume I'd be surprised if he goes around again. So that creates a vacancy there for Pierre Cura to come into. You've got Walsh coming to fullback. Um, yeah, there's a few good things happening. And Dearden was obviously one of those as well that's in there now, and hopefully they keep him there. But, yeah, I, I, I won't be shocked if he's at the Cowboys next year. I have no mail, but just the way my, that... My mail is that he will absolutely resign, and um, he does good. not want to go to the Cowboys. Um, and, you know, I, I broke that story about him, about the Cowboys being interested, in, and um, at the same time, the Broncos told me, yeah, we've heard, but we're not concerned. So I mean, yeah, he's got to have those meetings. You, you've got to don't. go and do it, you know? Um, absolutely. And, well, wouldn't you if you hit him? You've got to see the lay of the land. Shit, he might get at the Cowboys and, and Michael Luck and Todd Payton say, by the way, mate, we think you're worth a million a year. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they did that, though. So, right. <laughs> you know, they're not in that market. They're probably looking at more like 550, 600. You know? Yeah, he'll, he'll stay. Again, I don't think it'll be long-term, though. I, I, think, I think these conversations we're having, we'll be having again in 12 months. Yeah, oh, oh, it's, it's just nature of the beast, isn't it? Like when you're playing this poorly, as long as you keep him around. For me, it's like priority re-signings. We've touched those two there. And the other one's Coates. I know people will say Stags, but I feel like Coates is, is truly special and we just haven't been able to see it all yet. I believe that. Did and, and Walsh in more important positions, we can figure centre out later. And I'd want to keep Stags too, but that's my priorities for getting those guys penned. So, so what, ranking like one through whatever, what are your priorities? Oh, my one is definitely Dearden. Like, yeah. we, we, we've like never had a good seven, like since Alfie, sorry. Like the last like 20 years, we just haven't. We've had guys had good years. Yeah. Hunt had two or three good years. You know, Wallace had a good year. But we haven't had a good seven forever. And he's my priority. You don't lose a good halfback who looks like a natural halfback at his age. 
don't lose him. My second one's Coates because I don't know what his ceiling is, mm. but he's not just a winger. No, you know, <laughs> I don't know what he turns into. I don't know if he fills out and becomes an amazing center, but I, that's my second one. Then my third one's Walsh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look again. Uh, yeah. I, I think Coates will sign a short term deal. I think they'll all sign short term deals. Yeah. Um, I'd probably have a similar order. I'd have Pierre Cora ahead of Coates. I'd have him as two. I yeah, think, I, I didn't think about Pierre Corey. I'd probably have him up there two or three as well. Yeah, I think Didden is absolute. You just got to, he's the key, right? But, you know, noticeably, you didn't have Anthony Milford and neither did I. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it says I, a bit. I'm a Milford believer. I'll go down on that ship, but it's, he can get what's left. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's really, that's just the spot we're at. Unless he has, you know, really turns around under, under, under Kevy. I just have nightmares about losing a guy like did and, and then watching it for 15 years elsewhere. And then we'll get yeah. the stories, every contract he's going to come back to Brisbane this time. Yeah. That won't happen. <laughs> yeah he's, um, I think, yeah, it's interesting with Milford. Eh? Like contract season Milford, who knows what could happen. Yeah. He could, he could brain it. He's got the ability. He's got the ability to be a top five player in the game. If you he wanted does. to be, I, I just don't know if he wants to be, I just don't know if he really cares enough, you know? No. No, I think Milford likes when footy's fun. Doesn't yeah. like those tough games. Just, no. just hasn't. And, you know, some yeah, it's, of those players are like that. Yeah. Again, like I was saying before, I, I don't think it's a bit like Jeff Horn is a boxer, right? Like, obviously, I've had a favor to do with him. He's, um, he's not really into boxing. He just does it because he yeah. happens to be good at it. If he didn't get paid, he wouldn't do it. Yeah. I think Mills a bit like that with football. If he didn't get paid, he, he wouldn't do it. Like, he might go down and play a bit of touch at the local park. Yeah. He'd um, definitely love a bit of touch or Oz Tag because he, you know, can run around and do what he wants. Yeah, yeah, he's um, but he's such a gifted player. Um, I think I mentioned it last time. He's a, he's he, he doesn't really seem to like the media much, which is fine. He's an introverted character, right? And I think that just sort of has stopped him taking that next step. But a contract season, Milford could has to bring out the best of him. He's on yeah. a million bucks now, but in the open market right now, I don't think he'd get more than five hundred. No, I don't think so. Like it's a lot of risk for for another club to do, it. and also the caps come down that little bit. Yeah, and he gets that either. I, I think what will happen with him is that I, I think he would be happy to accept a significant pay cut to stay Brisbane, and I think that's what will happen. And I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, because you just he's such a family guy. Um, yeah, having said that, you know, I thought I didn't I didn't really wasn't sure if Offhand Gary would leave because he was such a family guy embedded in Brisbane. But Milford is such an introverted, private character who loves his family, loves being in Brisbane, is in his little bubble. Um, mm. He might stay for a big pay cut. But you know what? There's also going to be desperate teams out there who coaches will always say, I can get the best out of you. Yeah, I'm the one to turn Milford into a superstar and they will pay. He won't get a million, but he might get 700 or 650 or something. 100%. And uh, for Stags, it's not that I don't think Stags is one of the best centers in the game. It's just that I don't I don't place the value in that position, in that, pro- in that priority. Too. I'd rather actually go try and sign somebody like a Harry Grant or Ken Munster somehow before mm. I paid Katoni Stags, just because of the the position. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, you know, it Stags just hasn't got as much opportunity to influence the game as those other guys. And I know Coach is a winger, but I think Coach is a, just has that that real. I don't want to say player comparisons. I hate saying always oh, an Inglis or a Falau yeah. or whatever, but he has that game changing ability for mine. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I agree. Um, except I, I think Stags could be a six. I think that could be a spot. Yeah, he looked he looked he's okay got a lot there of last year. Jack White about him, you know, big body. Um, he's got real natural skill. Yeah, I really think going forward, and from what I understand, he's he would like to play six. 
Yeah, and um, I guess alongside Dearden, who's actually pretty good at traditional halfback stuff, that makes it yeah. easier for him. So if they if they so if they moved Milford on, if they decided they'll always put them they'll just put a low ball offer to Milford if they wanted to move him on. But if that's what happened and they had a million bucks free, um, they've got to obviously upgrade a bunch of players. But you'd probably be left with, you know, a team. You'd probably be left with enough to get a marquee player. Yeah. I'm just thinking, which spot would that be? Would you move Stags if you kept Stags? Would you move him to six and buy an outside back or forward? It's interesting. They'll definitely have enough play. I, I know they're after a spine. They're after a spine yeah. player for next year, and they're after a back rower. That's sort of utility forward. Yeah. So they're the two positions at the moment that they're looking at, and they'll have the money to buy some good people. Need a hooker bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing with the spine, right? Who's out there? There's no one out there. I know you have to get someone. Like, Brandon Smith seems like he's locked on Gold Coast Titans, but you you have to get somebody like a Harry Grant in the behind in the behind the club at Melbourne or something in two years two years when he's yeah. deal figure it out. I don't know, but you have to poach someone who's on contract. The only one off contract who's half decent, and I don't want them, is Jake Friend. But it's not the right timing for mine. No, I know the Eels aren't sold on Reed Marnie. There was some whispers yeah. before Christmas that um. They were shopping him around. I could never really get that confirmed, but there was definitely a lot of rumours that if someone wanted Reed Barney, they'd be interested in, in le- letting him go. I don't know. He, he, I, look, he hasn't really come on the way Harry has, no. but he's still a good player. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely take him. That's for sure. But um, I mean, Jake Turpin's still a good player to me. I don't know. He, I, he, he I'm, I'm not off the Turpin. I'm not. I don't think Turpin's finished. Like you know. No, neither do I. But I like, and I know the club has his junior holiday hurt it too. They, it's really hard to trust him. For 24 games yeah. for multiple years on the end. And I guess every young player is injury prone until they're not. And maybe this is the year, maybe this is the year he stays on the field. But he's got to be one of those guys like he actually doesn't need to go as hard as he goes. It's really cool seeing a little guy whack people all the time. But yeah. mate, that's not how Ken Smith played for 20 years. Stop no. whacking people every tackle. Maybe, maybe whack someone <laughs> yeah. twice a game. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, hooker would be good, but I just don't think there's a lot out there. Reed Marnie would be good. Harry Grant's going nowhere. Um, yeah. I mean, where it's it's weird they didn't really have a hooker because they got Turpin from Melbourne and he was just basically they just parked him at Redcliffe. They haven't really invested. I mean, Corey Pace, no, Corey Pace was a half. Just thinking, have they had a junior hooker come through? Not really. They, Jake Simkin went to the Tigers, who who's probably going to play first grade this year. So. They lost him. There's, there's one now, I forget his name, but there's someone at the club they apparently rate who's like 17. I don't rate Kobe Hetherington, uh, Jason's son. I'm not a big fan of his. He's there. I haven't I haven't seen much of him. Nice kid, though. But is he a yeah. hooker? It looks, he's too big for a hooker to me. Yeah, he, he's a big kid. He, he played the, the trial in a couple of games I've seen. He just feels awkward there. Yeah, I don't think he's a hooker. He's a, he's a big guy. That's um, it, but yeah, they yeah, haven't really I mean, invested in one. Yeah, so I, I don't know where they go. I think, from what I understand... Um, They'll have cash. They'll have enough for a marquee player. Do they go for one big star or do they go for like a 500 here and a 500 there? I think they're the decisions they're looking at. They were, they were having a look at Kirk Capewell. They were negotiating with Kirk Capewell um, as a utility forward for next season. He's asking yeah. too much though. So he's he's looking, well, his management's confident they can get above 550 a year for him. <laughs> Origin money, but, buddy, huh? Yeah. you gotta you got to strike while the iron's hot, as they say. But, um, and, and Brisbane valued him around 450, understandably. So, which is probably, you know, 400, 450 is probably where he should be. Yeah, I agree. Good on him, though. Bloody, I hope he gets it. He's a really nice kid. Mate, and uh, he's been, he's done the hard road. He's been reserve grade and went to the Sharks, and he's, he's never fully 
got given like your starting hero that he he worked his ass off, man, to be where he is now. Yeah, did the hard road. Oh, I did a story on him when he was like seventeen at Ipswich. I was working at the QT, and he was a carpenter. Yeah. Um, and he just left um, Ippy. Oh, it was, it, it wasn't Ippy State High, but anyway, yeah. And he was just a carpenter, skinny ass. Now he's like fucking built a house. So yeah, I, I hope he gets the money he's after. He deserves it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, other one, one more breakout to us. So veteran player, who's the veteran at Brisbane this year who's going to go to another level that we're going to see one player just like, doesn't have to be, you know, a veteran veteran. The guy's played for a year or two. Who's going to take off this year? Oh, I actually think we covered him already. I think Johnny Asiata. Yeah, I think yeah, he's the guy. Nice. He's, he's going to really surprise people, I think. He's been so impressive at training. I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of him. Like, uh, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up as, like, our leading Dalian point getter this year. Oh, I love That's a great take. See, takesman. <laughs> takesman. <laughs> that's a great take. <laughs> uh, that's good. I like that. Um, mine's obviously Tavita Pangai Jr., because always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the season, the rebirth, the redemption season. It is, mate, but I'm... I don't really know who else I'd say is going to have a massive breakout. Yeah, I expect guys like Herbie to have a decent year, owning a position as well. I believe in Tessie New, but he doesn't really count as a veteran. But I know you've got a Tessie take. Are you are you able to release a Tessie take to the people, or is it too hot? Well, I'm just not. I'm just not sold. I like yeah. the guy, but I'm just not sure he's in that Reese Walsh, Brendan Piakura. That's all. Um, I know a lot of people at the club and in the public are sold on him. I'm just not quite there. I'm not saying he's bad or he's a bust or he's not going to mm. match anything. He could, I think he could absolutely be a superstar. Um, I just need to see more. I'm just in that thing where I haven't seen what I've seen from Reese Walsh and Pierre Yeah. Are you, are you able, are you going to tell the people the player you compared him to? It's a great take or you know that. You oh, who was that? Justin Carney? <laughs> Justin Carney. Yeah. Well, he's just got that body, eh? Yeah, he does. I mean, he killed me. <laughs> One of the greats, Justin Carney, is um, look. I think he'll be better than Justin Carney was in the NRL. Although he's carved out a good Super League career, hasn't he? He's been good over there. Yeah, he has the, the beast over there. They love him, but that it hit me a bit too close to home. So I'm a Tessie New fan from way back, but he just hasn't got bigger, like taller. He's got no. wider. And then yeah, you said Justin Carney, and I was also a Justin Carney fan. I went there. <laughs> so. Uh, so the Bronx are hoping he becomes a Justin Olam, a different Justin, a Justin yeah. Olam type. You know, and Justin Olam's not like a superstar that gets fans for the gates, but he's a really solid, impactful player who does a really good job. And I think I think Tessie can absolutely be that. I'm just really not sold that he can become a a Jared Hayne or yeah. a Justin Hodges or someone That's like right. that. Yeah, so I just I'm a fan of him at center. I thought that was I didn't like the fullback stuff last year. I know he's played fullback and center through the grades, but I just thought center was where he, where he was going to find his joy in first grade because like I knew Walsh was coming, and also because he'd played a bit of center. And when I'd seen him play center on that right hand side, he wasn't bad with that natural skip on the outside, fend and offload. And it's like that's such a center skill. Don't go yeah. to fullback. He couldn't. He can't pass. So like, but here's the thing, man. These these guys are young, like. They they're probably going to prove make me look like an idiot. Like that's the thing. Like you can't, you just can't judge too much, right? That's yeah. the thing. Like so many times you think a kid is going to be fucking amazing, and he's just okay, you know. So sometimes you think they're not going to amount to anything and become stars. So I, I don't really like putting a full stop on players before they're 25, 26. And even then, look at Cody Walker. What a story he is, you know. Yeah, Jamal Fogarty now. Fogarty, like, yeah, yeah, it happens. Kurt Capo, you mentioned like, what 27, 28 now. Like it happens. 
happens like career breakouts. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people who aren't Brisbane fans, obviously Brisbane fans are hopeful. A lot of people are a bit too down on the talent in that squad. Mm. I, like I, maybe I'm delirious. I don't see how they're back-to-back wooden spooners. I think there's way too many talented players there, but there's a whole lot of guys there that like, like a Tom Dearden, you put a tweet out when you called him one of the best, like the best young half of the game. And about 4,000 people queued up to tell you were wrong, tell you you were wrong, even though it wasn't your opinion. Oh, yeah. But um, who, <clears throat> if it's not him, who is it? Maybe Dylan Brown, but he is actually really good. And people saw us losing and thought that guy's not special. He's, I think he is special. And I think the other guys are more talented than we saw as well. It's so funny. Like you do what you think is like a, you know, an interesting news story, breaks some news. Yeah. And people just want to pick like a little thing out of it and debate that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it always, it always just, I find it bizarre. But like, and that was a great example. People were like, how dare you say he's one of the best young halves in the NRL? Uh, I think I said arguably the best. And he is arguably the best young half in the NRL. It's an yeah. argument. Yeah, it but is. He's in the conversation. Yes. You can't leave him out. And we're talking about, you know, young, you're like, you know, under 20, under 21, we're talking about. We're not talking about yeah. under 25. <laughs> yeah. So Sam Walker would be in there, but we haven't really seen Sam Walker at that yeah. level. Dylan Brown's in that conversation. Yeah, there's a yeah. few in there. I'm not saying he's absolutely 100% is, but he is exceptionally talented. My good friend Lee uh, Addison coached against him when he was at Kibra. So he was coaching Yippie High. Mm. They were at Kibra, that whole crew. Um, yeah, it was Kibra, wasn't it? He's yeah. Palm Beach Crumbin, isn't he? Palm Beach, yeah, Palm yeah. Beach, sorry. He, he coached against Kibra and he coached against Palm Beach. Yeah. Um, and he said that Kibra had Haas and Fafita and all those, right? And he said... Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, Dearden at Palm Beach was far more dangerous, was far more impactful, was the significantly better player than either of those. Like he was at, at that age group. That's who all the coaches in that comp were really planning against and concerned about was Dearden. Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember who, there's another teammate in his team that's at the Broncos and a young, I think, back row or centre. I forget his name now, but I think they went undefeated against Kibra at Palm Beach for like three years in a row, which just doesn't happen. But yeah. Dearden was in that team. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think he's, he's the best half in his age group the whole way coming up. Sam Walker's brilliant, but mm. haven't seen much of him. Here's the thing, though. When was the last time Tom, time Tom Dearden won a game of rugby league? Oh, I think God. it was 2019. Really? He didn't, win, he didn't win one with us last year and obviously didn't play cup. So, so oh, it sucks. Where's the rugby league project? Shout yeah, out to it, those guys. It, yeah, he won with Brisbane in 2019, as you said, but yeah, not since round 11 in first grade. Would have and would have won a reserve grade game in 2019 at that time. But so, what um, was that round 11 in 2019? Yeah, was it? Yeah, in first grade. That reminds me of um, it reminds you guys like Brock Lamb and Kane Elgie. Yeah, who just it fell out of love with the environment and the losing. It's like you know, bags of talent, both of them. So it's been almost two years, I think, since he won a game. Yeah, would he have won? I guess he would have won something in lower grades in 2019, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. He would have played towards back in the. I could look it up, but I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still been. It'll be close to close to two years. You yeah, know, that's a long time between drinks. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And and I wonder what effect that has on a player at his age. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to get out there, Chris, before we hit fan questions? I, I thought I might as well hit onto the fans. I mean, you'll talk all night otherwise. Yeah. Oh, well, I had tonight some Tony Staggs news that I think that my phone was blowing up at me. Oh, really? People asking about. So, you know how Staggs said last week or the week before that he was definitely staying? Yeah. That has not stopped the offers coming in. And yeah. the rival clubs believe that he was basically telling a porky. So. Yeah. 
um, which may be the case, it may not, who knows. But there's like six clubs chasing him and we're talking about 700K plus a year for stakes. So, yeah, I just did a story tonight basically outlining that, that even though he said that last uh, week or whenever it was, these other clubs are getting ready and they are convinced that he will still go there, that he will leave. Yeah. Um, um, I, I asked Brisbane about it and they said, yeah, look, we know the office is still coming and clubs are still keen, but we're very confident. And I have reason to believe they wouldn't lie. They are very confident. They think he'll stay. And they believe Katoni because he said the same thing to them that he told the media is that I don't want to leave. Yeah. But, but watch this space. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can't believe those sentences because we hear it so often. And it's a different thing because it went for so long. But how many times we hear that with a feeder six months ago and then five months later? I'm sorry, one month later, gone. Yeah. Know? So. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is interesting, and uh, as I said, I'll be upset to lose him. But <laughs> if he if he signs somewhere big big money this week, I'm not going to lose my mind. Like if someone poached him, oh well, we've got other guys to sign. Yeah, how do how do you feel about Fafita now as a Broncos fan? Are you are you happy you didn't pay the money, or are you stressing? Well, it's like, I said this before. I know I don't like overpaying players, but it's not money in my pocket, and. At the core of the game, the, core, the reason you want rugby league is to be entertained. And I was devastated when James Roberts left because all the things wrong with him, all the things you can say about him, his defense, he doesn't care, he's off the field, whatever. All that, I don't care because he was awesome. Five or six times a year, he scored a try that no one else could score. And sometimes you don't care about the dollar figure. You want those guys in your team. And Fafita was one of those guys for me. And unless he... This year, maybe he does it. Maybe he has one of those years when he's got paid and doesn't give a shit. I feel like I'm not going to wish ill of him, obviously, but I feel like I'll miss him all year. And every time he does one of those special feeder things, I'll hate it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think we'll see a fair bit of him. I think Tino's the better player. I think Fafita is probably the more impactful player, can win you more games. But week after week, Tino is just going to bring it. Um, I think that's a fair tag. I think uh, Fafita's the better YouTube footballer. Yes, that's yeah, that's a great word and great phrase. I'll steal that from you too. Um, <laughs> like, and okay, yeah. so Fafita's TikTok, and and uh, Tino is long form. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah, it's um, I just think if I think Brisbane right did the right thing, I do. I don't. I don't think he's going to be worth that money. But mm. you know, maybe he is. Maybe at the times he is, and I understand it too. And that's basically the times positions like. To us, he is worth. Yeah, I feel like we live in that world that it's probably the right decision by both clubs. Yes. They probably both did the right thing. And I know Brisbane had Jordan Ricky and knew they had him, but I, I'd seen Ricky play reserve grade like two years ago. As you said, writing plays on and off at a young age, you're rarely right. I wasn't right about Ricky. I don't think he was that special, but he is like filled out so much in the last two years, got bigger and teams run really hard line. So, you know, maybe he'll, you know, stem that flow and Pierre Kura is there if, they, if he plays first grade. Like, you know, those guys, we can forget about Fafita quick if they perform. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think Jordan is probably going to be somewhere in between. He's not that breakout star, is he, nah, Jordan? Nah. But he's probably got a higher work rate too than Fafita. So. Hey, if, he, if his ceiling is young Alex Glenn, I love that. Like Alex Glenn was, yeah. was dynamic when he was young. If that's his ceiling, I'm happy. You know? Yeah, people say he was scoring like 10, 12 tries a year for a while as yeah. a back row of Sklenton. Like, he used to be really, really, really dynamic. Um, so, yeah, I, like, I agree. I think I think Brisbane have more talent than even I actually sitting here and think about it. They have a lot of talent. I still don't think they're going to make the eight. 
I do think they're going to win more than three games. I, I think they'll yeah. win somewhere around eight, nine, maybe ten. Um, and they'll be a decent team. Yeah, I just I don't see how they make the eight. Yeah, I agree with you. It's um, I could see them making eight, obviously, because I'm a Broncos fan. But it's like there's a lot of talent there, but there's just a few holes. Yes. Put down on paper here, we can talk about eight line players we really like. But when I see the full seventeen, it's like, oh, 12 of that's good, but there's a, a couple of holes here, or I'd, or I'd like a better player there, or you know, and yeah. Like, and I like Turpin, as we said, but if he gets injured, I'm glad McCulloch's gone. I'm glad he's gone. They'll try and use that money in front low people. Good idea. But if he gets injured, we're going to get back to that thing when it's like, is Isaac Luke on the deal again? Corey yeah. Hakes playing there. They're calling Danny Levi. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I still have hope in Levi. You know that. <laughs> oh, so do I, mate. Oh, my, um, my worry with Levi is he'll he'll be so good in reserve grade because his game suits reserve grade that he won't improve. Yeah. Like, he'll be so good at doing what he does. He'll dart from dummy half and play narrow that he won't get better better service or anything. He won't have to to kill Queensland Cup. Yeah, the other one there, they are they are keeping an eye on. They are looking at Carmichael, see how he goes. He's another one that could come in before June 30. Like, no, they are having I'd a look at him. That. I'd love that. And uh, you mentioned that Glenn in his younger years. I, thought, I remember those days, tw- what, 2012, we had Glenn, Teo, Gillett, and Sam Thiday. A lot of goddamn back rowers. Yeah. <laughs> one of those years, we scored about a million points and then lost first week of the finals. But that was a fun year. And we, every other week, it was like Teo or Glenn or Gillett rotated in the goddamn centers. But that's the yeah, that's right. Eh? That was a fun year. It was. It was, was that, I remember seeing highlights of that recently that year. Was that Yao Yao too? I don't know. Was it Yao Yao? It was a year before that. But that was also like when Gillett was like a bit more dynamic as well himself in, in his younger days. Yeah, well, let's just hope they get back to some exciting footy this year, eh? Like, that's the other thing is that just for the health of the game, as a rugby league fan, the game's better when the Broncos are winning, you know? Yeah. As much I mean, fun as it is for me. Well, to be honest, I'm over it. Like, it, it, fun's the wrong word, but it's fascinating covering a team like the Broncos last year. It's absolutely fascinating. It's really engaging, and you've really got to be switched on all the time because there's just drama after drama. You're like, oh, yeah, I've got that yarn. Sweet, mm-hmm. broke that yarn to Vita. Bike is done. Awesome. Far, go. And they wake up the next day and it's like, what's this thing? Someone's texting me about Everton Park. What's going on there? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was literally in the same week. Yeah, <laughs> it was an insane year. A lot of unhappy boys who were playing off on the school principal. Yeah, just did not care. <laughs> they did not. Uh, okay, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think the main hope for this year is like, out of all the things is you can your team can finish 11th or 12th and you could have enjoyed the year what i want to see is brisbane throw the ball around and play some exciting footy that actually give you shit about watching every friday night they don't feel obliged yeah. to watch it was a great comparison you made about the times and their finish like how aj just sprung to life and the aj mm. brimson we all imagined he could be was mm. just there yeah and as, as a league fan i was like oh wow this is awesome and as a Titans fan suddenly you just have all this hope coming into the new year and like I think I read somewhere that their sponsorship and all that has just increased dramatically. Their social media presence, everything has just gone through the roof. That's the, I think that's that's the sort of hope for the Broncos. Not even hope. I think that's a realistic goal for the Broncos is to have a Titans-esque year, to have a yeah. couple of good winning runs, really get fans back engaged, finish the year strong, a lot of momentum. Let's not forget, Kev's on a two-year deal. He needs to win this year. He doesn't need to make the eight to get an extension, but he needs to get them to be a lot better and really get some momentum behind the team going into his second year. 
Yeah, I agree with all that. Oh, one thing I'll ask you before we move on to the fan questions. What do you make of, the, all the, of Dave Donahue so far? I don't care about the legal stuff, but have you heard much from Dave and have you been impressed by his appointment? Um, I really like Dave. Um, obviously, a former journo. Um, hmm. I have not heard much about how he's been at the club because he hasn't been at the club because Matt Tripp is saying you step foot at Red Hill and there'll be a legal letter. So um, Paul White is sort of still there, but not really. You know, they're going to be without a CEO for a period of time. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is getting resolved quickly. So, that, and that's that's a hindrance. Like people say, oh, you need CEO to be, he's a big picture guy. So how are the Broncos going to do a big picture guy stuff with that? Who makes those decisions? Yeah. You, know, you need the office that, rev up when the CEO addresses everyone at once about the vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I haven't had much to do with Paul, uh, with Dave Donaghy uh, since he was appointed. Saw him briefly at Paul Malone's memorial, which is a really sad but moving event. Obviously, a great journo who passed away tragically. Um, and Dave really came to came pay his respects there, which was great to see. So, yeah, I, I haven't had much to do with him since he's come here. Well, at least you're impressed by the appointment because so am I. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a really good appointment. Yeah, and the fact the storm was so salty probably helps me believe that he's a good appointment. Yes. I don't know if Dave did the right thing, though. No, neither do I. But wait, I just look. The storm took everything they are from Brisbane. We take one thing back. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that in the sense that I, I don't know enough about Dave's situation. Know if he dudded the storm. I just mean that yeah. it's a big bloody role, and yeah. you're pissed off your club. I just hope for Dave, who's a really good guy, that, that it is worth it. Yeah, it, it's a ballsy move. Like I know it's probably the best paying CEO gig in the game, but it's a ballsy move going to Brisbane right now. Oh, the storm. oh yeah, huge. He backed himself, so good on him. Okay, questions. So I'm not going to ask ask all these guys, especially because a lot of them we would have covered already, but I do like this one first. Cruzy06 on Twitter says, my question is, how do you put up with all the tweets from randoms about the Broncos? <laughs> I read some of them and just think knob jockeys, some of them. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's, it's not too bad. Like some, some, you know, the funny thing is though, I've gotten some, I've gotten some big scoops from Twitter. So... You sort of some. I'm happy to engage if people want to engage, but I think I mentioned to you before. I do block quickly anyone who trolls yeah. or anyone who's just a smart ass. I'm just like I don't have time. Like Twitter is so negative. You know, if you're not wanting to engage, I don't mind having someone saying, "Oh, Chris, that was a shit take" or whatever. Like yeah. that's fine. I don't care. But yeah, I I do get sometimes. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it. Like when I was at the Courier Mail ages ago, I think I'd only been there for six months. Some Brisbane Raw fan ripped into me right online on Twitter. Yeah. And I just smashed him back. I just went off just on this horrific Twitter rant at him, calling him names and making fun of him. And he made a formal complaint to my boss. Who Cowards act. Yeah. <laughs> but he called me and explained to me. And I just yeah. remember just thinking, how dumb am I to just be sucked into that? Like, that was so dumb. You know, that's all he, that's all he wanted. So now I just let it just go straight over my head. <laughs> I think we've all been there, mate. And you're, you're good at handling that. There's some other people, you know, media types and so it's, Twitter can be a terrible place if you let it get to you. It's just the fact yeah. that I mean, if you realize yeah. a lot of it's not real, it's fine. No, <laughs> they're just people just looking at it. And like, the other thing is a lot of these are kids, like literally 14 year olds. Like, you know what I mean? Like so the, the person who might be telling you that you're the shittest person in the world and that you should die is like some bored 13 year old kid. Yeah. Exactly. He doesn't understand the words they're using anyway, you know, the power yeah. they have. Okay, next question. Uh, Thoroughbred Man says, can we put to bed the, <laughs> great rumors, of Can- great name, yeah. the rumors of Cairn Smith and Bellamy joining the Broncos once and for all? 
I can't, I can't absolutely rule it out. No, um, I, Bellamy's Bellamy's interested. I don't think Cam is that interested, but I can't rule it out. Why would Cam come down the M1? He's ensconced uh, on the Gold Coast. That's his home. Yeah, he is a Gold Coast man now. That's that's where he lives. That's his family. Why on earth would he bother traveling up and down in that traffic every day? Yeah, we did say before we started recording. I thought the time for Cam's to come to Brisbane would have been like two years ago. It's just the wrong timeline for a guy yeah. like Cam and of his career to come back to come to Brisbane, unfortunately. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Stranger things have happened, though. This is rugby league. I mean, Jared Hayne ended up at the Gold Coast Titans from the NFL. Like, strange things happen. So you never know. But I would be absolutely stunned if um, if Cameron Smith became a Bronco. I would not be stunned, but I would be quite surprised if Bellamy. I think odds are Bellamy takes a part-time Melbourne Eagle type role with the Melbourne Storm. I think that's, that's what will happen. Yeah, I was obviously very hopeful last year of him going to Brisbane. But once the Storm offered that role that he could be in Brisbane and work for the Storm. Sounds all right. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. He's made it clear, Bellamy, that he doesn't want to be in the furnace anymore. He still wants to be involved in rugby league, but he doesn't want to be in the furnace under the heat. If he takes on a Melbourne type role with the Broncos, he's still in the furnace. He's still getting criticised. You can do that with Melbourne based up here. Fly down to Melbourne for two weeks of a month. Still live most of your life up here and it's not going to be an issue. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Let's have a go. What else have we got here? No. Okay. Paul Mack says Alfie Langer to light the flame with the 2032 Olympics. Who says no? <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I'm pro that as well. Oh, I'm, also, I'm also not pro thinking about how old I'll be in, in 11 or 12 years, though. Some people put those tweets out today. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's brutal. Eh? <laughs> like some people ask me, oh, you must be excited working with Channel 7, like the Olympics and that. I'm like, that is so far away. I have yeah. no idea what on earth I'll be doing next year, let alone then. <laughs> There we go. Well, uh, Matthew Tabbott has a couple, but he did ask for an insight on the Katoni Stag situation and your chances of him staying. You've kind of covered that already, but he did ask, do you think if Tom did and, and Coates stay, the others will follow? No, not necessarily. I don't think that group is real tight like that. And I mean, let's, let's remember when Tessie resigned and that was supposed to keep Dave Fafita. So it doesn't yeah. always work out like that. I, I don't think like I'm, they really tight. Uh, Reese Walsh and Brennan Piakura very, very tight. Um, mm. I think they'll uh, they'll stay because of each other. But um, I'm, I don't think the others. Uh, it's hard to say. I'm not really I'm not really close enough to any of them to know how tight they. Are. I shouldn't really say that. But um, I'd be surprised mm. if it had an impact. Yeah, I um I do remember a couple of years ago. I can't remember the, all the young players. It was like Flegler, Carrigan, not for feeder, but four or five of them were talking about. Oh yeah, we're going to stay together forever. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It does. No. Penrith this off season, <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. They're all best mates, and that's getting split up. It doesn't happen. No, yeah. really does. When does it ever happen? <laughs> like really? Yeah. <laughs> People remember like Halcyon days, or oh, you know, the back it, it used to happen in the nineties or whatever, and it it did a bit, but no. Yeah, ask Lewis, nice. yeah, ask Trevor Gilmister. Exactly. You know, they both got moved on. Like, it doesn't really happen. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, you know, obviously two or three players will stay there the whole time and Brisbane obviously had a few of those. But that's why I, um, you know, the whole player power thing is really interesting to me because clubs aren't loyal, players aren't loyal. It just is what it is. You've got to do the best for you. Yeah, you. All you have to do is look at like the 300 player list, 300 game player list and see like six of them played for one club. Yeah. Well, TS has been around for a long time. No. Uh, I'll jump over to Facebook. Most of the guys on Twitter, the questions have been covered. Um, there we go. No, covered. 
Okay, what qualities will Dave Donahue bring to Brisbane? Oh, he's yeah, a smart yeah. operator. Yeah. Knows the media inside out. Um, football experienced, calm. And as you alluded to, the fact the Storm is so um, upset about him leaving speaks volumes, right? Mm. He knows what success looks like. That's why as soon as I heard he was going for it, I thought that's hard to knock back because Dave can walk into a room and produce premierships and say, yeah. I know how to get this done because he has. He has. And my favourite thing too is he's like under 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Young, fresh voice. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it means if he's good, it'll be around for a long time because there's not really many step-ups in rugby league from Broncos CEO. No, and like he, he went from being a solid reporter to a CEO. Like it's pretty cool. Like yeah, he was that, an AP reporter. Like it's good. Good on him. Yeah, he was like Storm CEO in like three or four years of working there. Hey. Like, yeah, yeah. So he's sort of famous for the salary cap stuff. He um he really did well, or he was a media manager, and he mm. did it really really well organizing the media, presenting United Front with you know how they all walked out as a team. He organized a lot of how they fronted the media during that time and presented themselves. Um, and the Storm always looked favorably on him for that. God, we need that. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that we need that bad like you know i know he's on his way out but how many times does paul white have to get rolled out the last two years and say oh he's a good lad though yeah. <laughs> whitey whitey he's um i spoke to him today and he said he said he's yeah he's uh he is looking forward to a break 10 years it's a long time it is it's a long time anywhere in anything but being the ceo of that club uh, that's a long time to be under scrutiny yeah, uh, yeah. It's he's uh, they're, they're having a look at him for the Olympic um to be part of the Olympic committee, or I don't know if that's the right word, but basically to help, you know, organise all that. Okay, and I'll leave you one last question. A lot of these are similar about cancer within similar. A lot of them there, but of course, can I just say something now. quickly? Yeah. yeah. How, how you would have noticed that everyone is just like fucking Cam Smith, not again. I'm so sick of Cam Smith talk. Facts are, people are obsessed with Cam Smith. Even though those same people will be like, no, I don't want to hear anything more about Cam Smith. You put an article up, you do a story, they'll click on it. Oh, they're hundred <laughs> percent they are. And Cam Smith is um one of my favorite character studies in, in Australian sport because he's never been about talking to the media himself, yet we always talk about him. He yeah. never gives us anything ever. And it's like we talk more, he gives us nothing. In- I, really, I really like him and he's always been really good to me. Yeah. I was a young reporter in um, Canberra for the Anzac test in 2013, I think. Uh, first time covering the Australian kangaroos and uh, I just on spec just asked him in the um, in the cafeteria at the hotel if he could do a sit down with me. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm free between two and three or whatever it was and he spent like 45 minutes with me like he'd never ever met before. You know, That's so cool. I always remember that. And he was captain of the kangaroos back then. And um, oh, he's always been good. I think he's really a un- misunderstood character. Yeah, same. And I've always respected that he, whilst I was going to say, is like he doesn't give a shit about most of that media. No. Stuff. He really he cared when that line was crossed with those terrible rumors a couple of years ago. But like he's, you know, out of that storm group, the four big, the big four that were involved in the salary cap stuff, none of that has stuck to the other guys. You know, no. everyone thinks Billy's a good bloke, Cooper's a good bloke, whatever. But Cam, every time he comes up, every time someone hates yeah. Cam Smith, people will not let go. They won't move on. And no. I respect that he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Oh, I really like it. Yeah. I, I think he's, yeah, I'd say it's out of him and Lockyer is the best footballers I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, have you read his book? No. Oh, I've, I've read little sections of it. 
Um, I'm not a big fan of reading sport books. Neither am I because they're generally pretty generic. Yeah. But I was like, because Cancer's, I haven't actually heard a lot from Cam. I wanted to read that. And I'm, I'm only about halfway through, but definitely a lot in there that, yeah, I found things that I didn't know. And no, that's good. Which is good. Like early on, really early in the book, he talks about how Brisbane, the whole story that Brisbane, you know, let him go or turned him down or didn't sign him is wrong. Like, mm. It's like he, he went on to say that when he got an offer from the Storm, he also got an offer from Brisbane at the same time. Um, he wasn't a hooker, but both clubs saw him as hooker. He met with Wayne Bennett. And the only reason he went to the Storm is because he looked at the rosters and Brisbane had Luke Prittis and Mick Roberts, if anyone remembers Mick Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> as a backup hooker. And if he went to Brisbane, he'd be the third choice hooker. And even though he grew up a Broncos fan, and he's like, well, I'll be third choice there. If I go to Melbourne, there's only Richard Swain, then it's me. That's yeah. all it was. A young, young fellow's decision. That's all it was. And the story since then has been Brisbane missed out. They let him go. They didn't want him. And the, yeah, no, apparently he, we, we wanted him after the storm did, but I'd never heard that story. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't quite know I played out like that too. But yeah. as, a, as a journalist, I've been guilty of doing those stories too, where it's more like a, a twist of fate or, it is, yeah. or an issue that just, it's not like the Broncos went, no, nah, middle finger to you, mate, get lost. Mm. You know, it's more like just circumstance. But sometimes in the media, you do sort of like, and sometimes the player as well, even though it's just circumstance, they use it as motivation. So yeah. they talk it up too. It kind of became a truism that like we all heard it so long, we all just believed it, you know, like, and it's, it's still a bit of column A and B. We did miss him and he was in Brisbane and we didn't sign yeah. him earlier. But I just thought interesting hearing his turn of events there. Well, I had an interesting one with that, with Valentine Holmes a fair few years ago now when he was at the Sharks and I did a story on um, how the Cowboys missed out on him because he's in Townsville, he's a Townsville kid. And uh, Peter Parr called me up the next morning and just blew up at me deluxe and was just like, mate, I'm looking at the contract we offered Valentine Holmes when he was 17. Mm. We offered him a good contract. He chose to go to the Star Sharks. And so I said, well, I have an audio file here of Valentine Holmes telling me that you never offered him anything and he's still filthy at it. So where's the truth? Who knows? You know what I mean? Like both things can be true. Yeah, that, you're right. That's it. That, that's a good one too, mate. Got scoops for days, Chris, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my last question for you uh, from Matt Weston. You said your biggest hot take for the season. So it doesn't have to be Broncos related. Have you got anything you get, you've Ooh. got for us? You've always got takes. Oh, hot take. Oh, I should have thought about this one. I'm sure yeah. there is one out there. Well, you've had a couple um, already. Your Tessie take was warm. <laughs> warm. What's a really hot one? Um, Parramatta to miss the eight. I love it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're on my ladder. I've got them like 10th or something. I love it. I, I don't think, I think they're going to fall off. I really do. I mean, I, I just, I'm just not sold on them at all. I think they've peaked and I think Brisbane can beat them in round one. And I think that they're going to be competing with Brisbane for that 8, 9, 10, 11 spot. Yeah. Like it just feels like one of those teams, and maybe we we're both wrong, but they've redlined for so long. They've hit their capacity, like their, their ceiling for so long. That, yes. only, that can only last for so long. Brad Arthur's been there for, for for way longer than I thought he'd been there. It just feels like that, that year type of year is coming this year or next year. Yeah. Um, what else is there? I don't know. Something will probably come to me. It's it's going to be an interesting season because I, I honestly don't know who's going to win. I, I'm not convinced about Penrith in big games or Nathan Cleary in big games. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced the Roosters haven't run their race as well. Um I don't think the Storm will be as good without Cameron Smith. I don't think that I think the Eels will be the team that falls out of the eight. So I don't really know who's going to win. 
Yeah, I think well, you say every year it's, it's, you know, we've got a lot of teams going to be good or we don't know who's going to win or similar. But this year for me, with that lack of reserve grade last year, I really don't know who's going to have those four or five players step up and make yeah. a difference. I got no clue. <laughs> so it's going, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, um, and Origin's going to be fascinating too. Like, that's going to be weird as well. Uh, we, um, we got our Wayne song, which was nice though. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'll, th- I can, I'll, th- I'll have a think in back of my head about some others. It's all right. Well, you, can, you can submit them on. You can just tweet them out there. I know you're not afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> the best is when you're watching a game and something great happens, you know, and you're like, that's the best ever. And then um, and you make some ridiculous tweet like me about Tamalolo and Pangai. And then you start seeing the replies and you're like, yeah, that probably wasn't a great tweet. <laughs> and then it comes up for the next four years, but you haven't deleted yeah. it. You're not a coward. It's still there. No, always keep it. You got to keep it. Yeah. It's, um, but it's just like, it's just Twitter. Who cares, man? Honestly. Exactly right, mate. That's the mentality. <laughs> Who cares? There's no scoreboard. Doesn't no. matter. You can get a hundred things right and one wrong. People will remember the one wrong. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I learned that a while ago. You write some incredible story and there's like a comma misplaced and people remember the misplaced comma. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyway, mate, anything you want to plug or say before I let you get back to your lovely partner? Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Bradley Charles might be working with the Kevin Walters this year after all. Oh, God. Is that a scoop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might be. It's He won't be with Trent Robinson. They've... Um, Trent, uh, very amicable, super mm. happy, but Trent just basically couldn't fit him in, in under the cap, under the reduced cap for staff this year. Mm. So he's a free agent, the Whisperer, there and I think go. you might be seeing him uh, working a bit with Kevy at least in the next uh, few weeks. No. Um, so, yeah. Time to get What's his space? Done, 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 whatever it is. Is it win, 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 isn't it? Like done, done, you know, done, done, done's the saying, isn't it? That's where he gets some yeah, shirts yeah. made. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, like, I've actually become mates with him. Like, he doesn't really – he does, he shares some of the stuff with me, but because I obviously don't pay him, he doesn't really yeah. <laughs> give me much. Yeah. But um, he's actually a really good guy, a really good guy. So. That's good, mate. You may well get some Kevolution done, done, done shirts, mate. Yes, make it happen, man. I'll buy that shirt, eh? Well, there we go. I've made at least $6. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mate. So anyway, I just say thanks for coming on here, Chris, and I'd love to have you on again later in the year. I'm sure we'll, um, we'll have people pestering to have you on again. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And um, yeah, it's just going to be a fascinating year. And uh, hopefully it's not anywhere near as dramatic as last year, man. I don't know if I can take another year of that. Yeah, neither, I couldn't either. Like my, my missus, that's one thing I said before. But earlier on, I got we got a lot of questions, and and I said, oh geez, a lot of people asking us how they think they're going to go this year. Not the best question. And my missus is like, no, I need to know how they're going to go. If they if they're going to go shit, I need to know if you're going to rule my weekends anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you get like depressed and stuff. Yeah, I do. I get. Uh, oh, I'm really stroppy on Friday nights, pretty much. Essentially, I bury myself in my phone, bitching in DMs for like two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted. She wanted to seal. She wanted me to tell her after this. How does the expert think they're going to go? So, I'll tell yeah, her, mate. The well, tenth, I won't be off a cliff. Yeah, they'll be okay. They'll be all right. Yeah. Thanks again, Chris. We'll talk to you later in the you know. Day. No worries, bro.